Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with Nancy and Lisa. You know, uh, every it's every fourth Thursday, we get to talk about the Jefferson Highway. And the Jefferson Highway is like the very first vacation route in America. It is It goes from Winnipeg, Canada to New Orleans. And it's coming back, baby. You know, we think about historic routes like Route 66, but that's exactly what is happening with this highway. It was also known as uh, the Pines to the Palms Highway. And we do this every fourth Thursday. We talk about the history, the music, what you can see and do on the highway. And today we're talking about two women outlaws from Oklahoma. We're very excited about it. Uh, I do encourage you to go to the Jefferson Highway Association website and also get involved. They've got an intricate map. You click on the link and you can really see where you may have already been on the highway and just maybe not known about it. Um, or maybe, hey, time to plan a road trip. So check it out. Go to jeffersonhighway.org. You can also become a member. If you're in the tourism world, strongly advise you join up with this because it's a really cool program for our communities on this trail. And uh, as always on our show, we have Roger Bell, the president of the Jefferson Highway Association. Roger, how are you? I'm great, Lisa. Great to be here again. Hey, you know cool. what? We're excited. We get to go on another, you know, I think couple uh, shows ago we did part of the highway and we're going to do it again we're going to drive from Madison Wisconsin I know that's not on the highway but it's kind of close you know we can mm -hmm. detour mm -hmm. and then we're going to go down to Bismarck Arkansas which is just outside of Hot Springs and so I think we'll be able to touch some parts of the highway as we drive and of course we're this is it, it's in our it's you know, it's like dirt under your fingernails that never goes away, which, and you don't want it to. That's kind of what's happened to us. And it's your fault. And it's Arlene Gould's fault from Natchitoches, <laughs> Louisiana for getting us involved in this. Uh, but we have two special guests joining us, each one representing a female outlaw. We have Dr. Ron Hood, and he is actually his Bell Star, who is an outlaw who's been uh, put into many movies, newspapers, uh, you know, she is well known. She's popular. Her gravesite and homestead is actually on his property in Oklahoma. So welcome to the show, Dr. Ron. How are you? Doing well, thank you. And so how, how does it feel representing a, a bandit, <laughs> an outlaw? <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, as Roger knows, it's been an interesting topic. There's been a lot of uh, People inquire and a lot of magazine articles and and a lot of media interest in Bell Star and it waxes and wanes, but it it's mm. it's something that's uh, comes up periodically. So it's kind of odd uh, owning the uh, home site and a grave. So uh, you know, of course, you can't own the grave, but it's on the property. So her original uh, um, place where she was shot is just across the river. Yeah, so it's it, it gets a lot of uh, media attention here and there. Is she a ghost? Could she yeah. be a ghost? Have you seen oh. a ghost? Oh, here we go. Um, well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. cool. Yeah? Cool. Yeah, okay. we've, actually, we've actually had a haunted tour there before. So. Oh, oh listen, nice. listen. Okay. We, okay. We, this is I another to show we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I know, listen, everyone, wait for our October show. We've got things planned about ghosts and hauntings and haunted places. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And um, Roger, after this, I need to tell you about a recent connection that we have that actually is about the Jefferson Highway for ghost stuff yeah. and music. Yeah, things are yeah. things are growing. It's not stopping. Uh, but I want to bring our next guest on, Cynthia Schreiner Smith. Um, no relation to me, you know. Smith is a good name. It <laughs> sure is. Knows it. Uh, but she owns Sin City Tours. And who doesn't want to own Sin City Tours? It sounds like so Hello. much fun, but it's uh, C-Y-N, you know, Cynthia. SinCityTours.com is her website, and she is based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, and apparently it's Sin City. So we love this. Welcome, <laughs> Cynthia. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. Good. Yes, it's Sin as in Cynthia. And so I introduce myself on my tours. I say, hi, I'm Cynthia, but call me Sin because sinning is more fun. Well, Ooh. listen, it is. I'll tell you what. You it's a righty then. We do. Go ahead. Go ahead. We do walking tours in St. Paul and we do a gangster tour. And uh, we also, I'm so happy to hear you bring up ghosts because we yeah. do walking haunted tours too. So oh, cool. you are people after my own heart right now. Wow. Cool. So is St. Paul on the Jefferson Highway or near it? It is right on the highway and it has a lot of history, a lot of history. <laughs> Not that you're a dude, cool. but that's exciting. You know, yes. it's, it's so this is fantastic. I'm glad you're on that. So this is again, you know, this is this old route, 1915, mm. right, Roger? 1915 is when it started. Yeah, it was um, uh, organized in 1915, however, right before World War One, and uh, um, St. Paul was uh, definitely on the route of the St beautiful St. Paul Hotel, which I had the privilege of staying uh, in uh, several years ago, uh, was very historic to the highway. Uh, it was actually a center of tourism um, um, for St. Paul. And uh, during our pre-talk here uh, a few days ago with Cynthia, I got to send her a, a uh, actually a advertisement about the St. Paul Hotel if we're talking about the Jefferson Highway in it. So I don't think she had seen that before. But yes, it's very it was very much part of the highway. And I, you know, St. Paul has a rich and very fascinating um depression era gangster activity. I'm sure Cynthia can kind of tell us a little bit about the reasons for that, but it was uh and there were several places on the route. Kansas City was another one that was Fairly yeah. wide open. I had a lot of a lot of uh, great, rich <laughs> history, if you want to call it, to mm -hmm. gangster activity and involvement that had to uh, fight these culprits. Um, uh, and, it's it's uh, interesting. Yeah, St. Paul, because I'm looking at uh, Cynthia's the co-author of Alvin Carpus and the Barker Gang in Minnesota. I never even knew they went all the way up there, the Barkers. I just, like, I don't know oh, yeah. why I didn't think that, but apparently they did. So they Cynthia did a lot of they spent a lot of time up here so much that I got to write a book about it. And it's very prominently uh, featured on our tour. And in fact, uh, cool. they did a couple of famous kidnappings up here. They used St. Paul's yeah. to rob banks all over the Midwest. I'm sure running up and down the Jefferson Highway to do it because they did go down to Nebraska and Missouri and Kansas a lot. Uh, Alvin Karpis um, finally was brought to justice at the federal courthouse here in St. Paul. Uh, Doc Barker went to trial here, as did hmm. several other members of the Carpus Barker gang. Uh, Ma Barker lived here for a while. I love that. Wow. I don't know why. I and love she's Ma buried Barker. on the Jefferson Highway in Welch. No way. <laughs> she is, no along way. with her her eldest yeah. and her youngest sons, are buried next to her. Wow! Wow! See, 
I thought everybody in Minnesota was squeaky clean for some reason. I don't know why, why that was important. I don't know. <laughs> I, we you know, want why. you to believe that we, it's all smoke and mirrors, this whole Minnesota nice thing. See, it just- I, you know what I mean? But, you know, I'm like going, you, you know, it's like you do have Prince the musician. So that's a whole other topic on the Jefferson Highway. Yeah. But, you know, he, he, he was kind of squeaky clean, but not. But, um, you know, it, it just when I think about, you know, the barkers and everything but then going into you are representing today love, edna murray it. and she she was the the kissing bandit she um, was the kissing bandit yes and she was in saint paul a lot <laughs> um i spent a lot of years researching that woman and she cool. has a whole chapter in my book um and i used to portray her as a character on tours uh pre-covid for about 22 years and I got to know Edna's real granddaughter. She came up and took my tour. And um, wow, yeah, we, cool. uh, my husband and I produced a, a documentary called Gangsterland. Uh, oh, we interviewed cool. her for that documentary. So I, yeah, Edna's a, a woman kind of near and dear to my heart, uh, cool. <laughs> in a kind of weird way. But, but to answer your question real quickly, I'm sure everybody's wondering why did all these gangsters come up to St. Paul, and why did you never hear of it? Um, it really was something that started up with good intentions. We had a police chief, John J. O'Connor, became our police chief in the year 1900. Uh, and at the time, the city had quadrupled in size the last two decades, and the police department had not grown at all. And he did not have enough money or men to stop the crime. So around 1906, he just sort of did some creative thinking, shall we say, and mm. came up with what became known as the O'Connor system, which was a quiet, under-the-table agreement with criminals. You can come to St. Paul. We mm. will leave you alone if you promise to, A, do no crime within the city limits of St. Paul, B, give a little donation to the police department, mm. and C, just check in and let us know when you're here and how long you are staying and what your address is while you are here. And uh, so gangsters came here, and uh, they hung out while the heat was hot. Uh, in fact, uh, Alvin Karpis and Fred Barker and Ma Barker came to St. Paul for the first time in December of 1931 because they killed a sheriff, uh, Fred and Alvin, uh, in um, Missouri. So they wow. needed a place to hide out until the heat was off. So they came to St. Paul. Literally, because it gets hot and swampy See? out there. You know, just do it outside <laughs> the borders and then we oh, don't This care. is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So, so wow. This, yeah. So this was going on in St. Paul itself. So this isn't one, uh, this is not a state thing. This was just St. Paul had this going on. This was just St. Paul. And those familiar with the area know that we are the twin cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis. Our downtowns are literally just about five miles apart and crime plummeted to nothing in St. Paul. And it skyrocketed in Minneapolis <laughs> because they used St. Paul as their home base <laughs> and would run to Minneapolis or Cambridge or know down to nebraska and rob banks and come back to st paul and be protected wow. that's amazing that's amazing so i, I want to get to uh the kissing bandit but i want to go back to bell star uh and and dr ron sorry that's your name dr ron am i allowed to say dr yeah, ron? Yeah, it sure. just sounds so good when we're talking about outlaws um bell star how did you first hear about bell star i know you got the property but did you know about her beforehand well, yeah, every Oklahoman knows about Bell Star. I mean, I'm a fifth generation Oklahoman, and mm-hmm. uh, her history is intertwined with the pre-state history, and and she's uh, um, very notable 
uh, not just in Oklahoma, but it's amazing the the travel people make to the site. Um, you know, it's uh, it, she's world renowned. Uh, even one of the early books was even written in in Italy. Uh, so, but mm-hmm. being a native Oklahoman, uh, you're just immersed in that history because it's all around us here. So, really, the thing is, this was the old West, and that's what people don't realize. You see the Western movies, and it looks like it's in the desert, but really it was here the, the edge of the frontier was the Oklahoma Arkansas line and so all the old wild west things happened here you know it's really amazing I started making kind of a database of everything that I could find on this highway and I have outlaws and I have sheriffs and and law-abiding citizens I have uh, authors musicians and so it's taking me a while because it's it's become huge. It's like almost doing the entire United States. By the way, all these people traveled and did things, but they used this highway for a long time. They really did. And, you know, maybe it was the state of the, the highway or maybe it was a better highway than other highways, but some, something drew all these people to this highway. And well, you know, the route here in Oklahoma goes back, and we talked about this a little bit in previous broadcasts, but in Oklahoma, you have the trails of the original trail, what we would call the Shawnee Trail or the Texas Road, mm-hmm. uh, which was way early. Then you have the railroads that came uh, through, which the main one was the Katy Railroad in 1872. And then uh, you have uh, you know, Jefferson. There were all basically within a mile or so of each other, most of the route in Oklahoma. So you have all these generations. But going back to what Ron said about, you know, he said very well about American West. I think people don't really uh, know that so much Western history happened in Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm. I don't think people know that there was more deputy marshals killed in, um, well, let's just say where he's at Younger's Bend, let's just say a hundred mile radius of that area. Um, than anywhere in America. Uh, that's mm. a proven fact. No, you know, and most of them died uh, during this time period of the um, uh, what we call the early West history. Mm. And uh, this was makes it such a fascinating part of history. We know about Dodge City. We know about Tombstone. Right. We know about these yeah. major things, but they were very short lived, and that wasn't. Uh, uh, Billy the Kid, whatever you want to get into, but you could go on and on forever uh, here researching uh, the, the things that have happened in Indian Territory and and Bell Star. Um, people have been going to her grave. I mean, uh, for well over a hundred years. I mean, within the year or so of his death, I have uh, a story from a gentleman that took a Sunday afternoon. Uh, journey out to see uh with the family to see the, the, the graveside of bell star people have been going there regularly uh for generations so it's just uh it's an uh, in it and this lonely grave up on the hillside and i'm sure ron can tell us about that about how western historians have portrayed that site and what it really is like yeah, uh, but, but but they've been yeah, going there it's for on generations. his land 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ron, this is on your land. So, I mean, if we yeah. go looking for the grave, you're not going to shoot us, right? No, <laughs> no. I always feel when we go looking for things, we're going to get shot. No, no, just <laughs> the opposite. Uh, we actually created a trail and uh, and oh, uh, cool. cleaned up the grave. The grave had fallen apart, just kind of a little stone monument. Um, but it, her grave was such... So let's go back a little bit. Just to, in mm. 1889, her obituary ran in the Chicago Tribune, Tribune and in the San Francisco Examiner uh, in 1889. Mm. She was she noteworthy. was gunned down. That's the thing that we yeah. were talking about. She was noteworthy from coast to coast, and and everybody loves a tragedy, right? And so, um, so anyway, her her grave's been visited regularly. It was robbed within a uh, a year of, of her death, and then um, wow. a, a stone monument was erected, and that's what we reconstructed. But um, fantastic photos in 1899. A, a newspaper man named Frederick Bard. Um, took photos and wrote a book and some articles which played prominently through uh, the Midwest and it was reproduced in newspaper to newspaper. So her story was perpetuated um, and well into film. And, uh, you know, wow. unfortunately, well, she didn't. And Woody, Woody Guthrie wrote a song about her. No, Bob Dylan. Wow. It's yeah. Bob Dylan, Tombstone Blues. No, well, that's Star. her song. Where's... I used to cover that in another no, band. But Bell Star, Woody Guthrie oh, yeah. wrote a song called Bell Star. Oh, that's yeah. That's the title. Yeah, well, so, Woody I mean, Guthrie's from here, you know. I mean, this is, uh, he's I again mean, immersed in. Yeah. Oh boy, is, man, we're we're just gonna have to I do know. one show a month on the music history of Jefferson Highway. It's yeah. insane. Exactly. I just found like this whole trove of hard rock. I know that's got nothing to do with Outlaws of the West, but like, serious, like. Roger, it's never going to end. This again, you and Arlene, look what you started. <laughs> I'm not well, as I said before, you know, this this cross section of the country is it's is so unique thing. with the culture that is on this route. And you know, you you have it's a discovery. I mean, you know, people yeah. that are traveling the route even now are passing by Bell Star's house, not really knowing it's there. Well, they're going, they're going yeah. through St. Paul and really not knowing the gangster history there. But if, but, it's, if you stop and wait a little bit and you research it, discovery is there. And, and it, it's so many different topics like this are, are but there. Tombstone Blues now is stuck in my head because I used to yeah. cover that song and I used to cover it in a mm -hmm. different way than Bob Dylan sang it. And um, yeah. the now I've Bell got... Star sit. Yeah. yeah. She's sitting by and talks about the grave and everything. And I, it's interesting because Bob Dylan, his museum now is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So is Woody Guthrie's. They're Dude, right by each other. What is going on? Okay, yeah. so, and then I'm reading, she had a, a Cherokee lover that now in the song is called Blue Duck. That was his name. Well, he's buried in Tulsa as well, in Catoosa. Um, Dude. So how far is that from you, Ron? How far no, is Tulsa? Uh, Tulsa's 30 miles, I guess. Um, okay. Now, That's Catoosa huh. is a, a suburb of Tulsa. Now it used to be a separate city, but um, there's a famous photo of Bell Star and Blue Duck, although they weren't lovers and they really, but she did a no? PR photo for him uh, in Fort Smith. And if you look at the photo, he's wearing handcuffs. But um, he's buried in the Dick Duck Cemetery in Catoosa, Oklahoma, which is also on the Jefferson Highway. Wow. wow. Okay. And then there's a statue of crazy. her. You, you said the name of the town not far from you. It's Bartlesville. Uh, Willow Rock has a statue of Bell Star. Uh, so 
Wood Lakes Rock will a rock. And that was um, Frank Phillips. You know it as the Phillips 66 people. Yeah. Uh, fa- yeah. Fantastic museum. Wonderful. Hmm. And got a picture of, of Bell out front uh, statue. This, this is so great, though, that you, you know, we went to um, Billy the Kid's grave uh-huh. in uh, oh, Fort Sumter, wow, New Mexico. Yeah. And his grave, the, people had stolen his tomb, like, this tombstone a gazillion times and now it's all caged up well i think the really weird the different thing about bell's grave is she's the only one buried there well yeah it's a very lonely grave and it it is you you have to search it out uh her 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 cabin and and the place where a lot of this activity happened is all around you even though the buildings aren't there you can imagine it if you're there and i think that you know for the Jefferson Highway deal on her, you know, she grew up near uh, Carthage, Missouri, and uh, that's on the Jefferson Highway, and uh, she ended up in Younger's Bend. Younger's Bend is not really on the highway, but it's within a few miles of the highway uh, near Eufaula, Oklahoma, and uh, the uh, one of the things that uh, Dr. Hood did when he purchased his property was... Um, rebuild a very historic cabin uh, mm-hmm. and brought it from her native um, Carthage area in that county and uh, re-put it together here uh, basically on site. It's amazing that you've kept it because it's so hard to save homesteads. It's so hard to even save graves. Um, you know, there's it a was lot of amazing process. Let grave, me tell graves you. out there that are unnamed, <laughs> especially if you're an outlaw. But I know she was famous. But I think it's amazing that you've done that and allow people to walk up a trail. Um, you know, Doctor Ron, when when people come, do they do you make them check in? How does that all oh, no. work for them to be able to find it? No, it it's um, it it. There's several places you can look. I have a, a Facebook page, Younger Span, that gives details, maps, and and some of the history. Okay. And and so back a little bit, Younger's. Um, the younger gang yeah. uh, and the James gang who also didn't fare so well up in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> so also um, on the Jefferson highway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, also on the Jefferson highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was actually a site that they used uh, during the civil war with uh, um, some Confederate guerrillas. Uh, and they, they wintered there for two years. And so Bill actually then came into the story uh, after she married a Cherokee and she actually lived on this site. And this is where she thought she was going to kind of spend the rest of her life. And that turned out to be true, but it just wasn't as peaceful as she thought. Oh, wow. Right where you are now. That's exactly on the site. Yeah. The cabin is site is right there. The cabin that Roger's referring to is an authentic cabin built in 1850. And it was in uh, North of Carthage, Missouri. It had been covered uh, in siding. And when they pulled the siding off, there's this uh, authentic, log cabin from 1850 and so we took it down and brought it all the way down stick by stick and put it there close to the grave but not exactly at the side of the former cabin no this is amazing and i I do want to touch base on this is it true that bell star's mom is part of the hatfields from the hatfields and mccoy feud yeah i I think that is uh, uh true glenn shirley talks about that in his book uh and uh glenn shirley of the shirley family as, is pretty uh so her family bell came from a prominent family so first of all you know she's um her father raises 
what we know now as Tennessee walking horses, gated horses. Mm, they came beautiful. from uh, Tennessee, chased out by the Civil War. It was beginning, it was before the Civil War, but the beginning. They um, settled around Carthage. Her mother was a Hatfield, a prominent family. Um, there was a whole series of people from Tennessee that moved near Carthage. And there's an area there in Missouri called Boone's Lick that, uh, you know, even uh, Daniel Boone's son had moved there. So there was, oh, a, wow. a, there was a progression of uh, people that, that came to the area. And her father was uh, a well-endowed man, had a lot of money, raised very fancy horses. And, and so he was uh, known as a colonel, but he wasn't really a colonel. It's more like Colonel Sanders. It's an honorary title in the South. He uh, had a hotel. And so uh, Carthage, Missouri, again, on the uh, Jefferson Highway, the only remnant really is that there's a plaque in the town square of Carthage that says the Shirley Hotel. So Belle was educated in Carthage with a classic at classical education. She had, you know, Latin and French and mathematics and just wow. everything that a Southern Belle needed to be, uh, you know, to have that uh, genteel sort of upbringing. She played piano in the lobby of her mm. father's uh, hotel. She's very talented, very outgoing. You know, everybody picked at the um, picked at her. At, so she was used to attention that carried out through her life. Um, but the story is that she was raised very wealthy. And but 10 years before the Civil War, the Missouri border wars were ongoing. And the this precursor to the Civil War was already being carried out uh, up in Missouri, bloody Missouri, they called it, you know, so it was, mm. uh, it was a, a very unsettled time. And they eventually moved from Carthage to uh, Syene, Texas, uh, which is a suburb of Dallas. Um, probably not on the mm. Jefferson Highway, is that Roger? But, uh, but Belle, mm. um, being raised in Carthage, uh, she was very well versed with the other uh, wealthy families in uh, Western Missouri, which included the Youngers, um, the father's a state senator, the James, father's a stepfather's a doctor, um, and so, and the Reeds, which were from Union Hill, Missouri, where wow. she married into that family. So these were all very prominent families that stayed home to protect their properties and, and their wealth and did not enter into regular Confederate service. Hmm. So they became sort of a, an organized band. And a, a man named William Quantrill, uh, Quantrill's Raiders, again, in a lot of movie fame, Quantrill hmm. uh, was a school teacher um, in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, became um, friends with um, a man named Mays, who actually was a, a prominent member of the Cherokee tribe here, and he's is Mays County's just north of us. And so they formed the Quantrill's Raiders, Bloody Bill Anderson, and that whole thing that gets played a lot on on stories that actually happened here too. They were oh. forced out. They were forced out of Missouri. Kansas, of course, was uh, was Union, and so they wound up in the Indian Territories here. Uh, Trail of Tears, uh, they, yep. they were settled here in the 1820s, 1830s, uh, but it really wasn't supposed to be white people here, and there was no <laughs> law for whites. So the way that it was set up, the, the uh, native uh, tribes here that or I'm sorry, the five civilized tribes all had their own court systems, were sovereign nations. And so they, but they never allowed them to uh, pursue the um, arrest or, or anyone of uh, 
of, of mm -hmm. white men. So fairly wow. racist and segregated. So they established yeah. a court. It became such a terrible area. So many, you know, outlaws that they, they established a court in Fort Smith out of the Western District Court of Arkansas under uh, a, a very famous judge there. And, and they hung 89 people from this area um, trying to get it cleaned up. And so, wow. uh, yeah, it, so the number of, of law enforcement U.S. Marshals that were killed here, the number of outlaws that were killed here, it's tremendous. Bill Starr was famous because her story of richest rags and the tragedy mm -hmm. and then being involved in nefarious uh, activities as, as a genteel Southern lady, it just rang, uh, it just attracted it. So yeah. It's, it's a it's good a, story. It's, it's a good no story. Yeah, yeah, it's so different. You know? It's a good story. And it's interesting because, you know, you talk, there's also her family and the one, I think, sister is uh, Pearl. No, it's and her Nancy daughter. And I, oh, daughter, yes. And Nancy and I first were like, there was, um, and Pistol Pete sounds so familiar to me. And, I, and then mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a bunch of Pistol Pete's throughout it, you know, all, all of that time frame. But Pearl Hart was a woman of the West who got caught. She was, uh, she I swear it was with Pistol Pete. Maybe no, no. I'm to look him up. No, it's a different it's area. It's a different area. It's this an Oklahoma Arizona. territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's no, an Oklahoma territory. No, no, I'm just saying. Pearl Hart was in mm -hmm. um, Arizona. Oh, yeah. and she mm -hmm. got put in jail, and so we saw Pearl. We're like, dude, what's going on with these women? Because she really got herself out of jail from pretending, trying to kiss the inmates. And see, I want to go to the the kissing bandit here. But she was pretending she was pregnant, and eventually they all mm -hmm. let her out. And, and she also became this notorious woman mm -hmm. who didn't do. She was smart, and she knew how to outwit people, and that was kind of her game. I think kind of like Bell Star. And um, but it was just interesting that. But the name is very. You know, I'm going. Oh my gosh, it's the same. Are they all connected? You know. But I think it's just that that was one of those. You know, popular oh, names. You know. The oh, Bell Star has Pete. the ultimate, ultimate who done it really in his, in history to me historically because you know her, um, as we speak today, her murder and death, which is uh, she yeah. was hit killed in the with a shot in the back of the head while crossing mm. uh, a river near to Younger's Bend, and uh, it's debated for over a hundred years and. Mm. Even though I know Ron has specific thoughts as I do on uh, likely who was her murder, it's uh, um, it's to me the ultimate who done it. And uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean that would be really, I mean it's unusual for for a woman to exactly be shot in the back of the head. I mean, come on, yeah, that that's, get a grip. that's, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly, you know, I'm looking at it going, no, no, no. But right. you know, right. I, so I've got I've got down the rabbit hole big time here. Well, because... speaking of rabbits, that's our we gotta get to Edna Rabbit okay. Murray. Um, she is the kissing bandit. And so how did she get her name, Cynthia? <laughs> I mean, what, and and so was she because she does tie back to Oklahoma, but um how did she get her name as the kissing bandit? Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there about how she got that name you will See, read, here we go again there you go you will read so many stories that are wrong but mm -hmm. i just about got it from the horse's mouth because um her granddaughter as i said who's still alive and living in oklahoma uh, told me how the story came about because her grand 
grandmother told her. Uh, it was mm. when she was married to her third husband and okay. living, yeah, no yeah. long story, but yeah, uh, yeah. She, she was uh, living in Kansas City, which is, of course, on the Jefferson Highway. And uh, she, it's kind of interesting, her second husband was Diamond Joe Sullivan, and he was in prison for murder. And while her husband was in prison for murder, uh, her mother-in-law sent her a bunch of money for Joe's defense. And instead of using it for her husband's defense, she took it and bought herself a, a big house with lots of rooms and put furniture in it and uh, got herself a boyfriend, Jack Murray, and uh, whom she married once her husband was executed in the electric chair. So that was real convenient for her. And uh, she went off then bootlegging and uh, dealing in lots of other little sort of underworld things there out of her house that she rented for borders and things like that. But then a bunch of her... Um, illegal alcohol that she had coming up from New Orleans got hijacked and they'd spent all their money on this booze and they suddenly needed money. So she and her husband, Jack, decided to start robbing people, uh, <laughs> broke into a few houses, stole some jewelry. But then one day they found out there was this Lutheran minister who had a sort of a side job delivering money to the bank for local businesses. Because if you can't trust the minister to take your money to the bank, who can you, right? So they knew yeah. uh, this was his schedule and he was going to have a bunch of money in his pocket. So she and her husband, Jack, kidnapped the guy right off the streets in Kansas City and they drove him out to the country quite a ways. And uh, they took his shoes because they were going to abandon him there in the country. Uh, and it would be more difficult for him to walk back to Kansas City without any shoes on. And um, the way her granddaughter says it, that that minister was now using words a man of God should not know. He was really angry. And uh, Edna, who was pretty good looking and was very self-confident about her sexuality, started laughing and playfully said, oh, honey, I'll, I'll just kiss you. That'll calm you down. That'll make it all better. I'll kiss you. And uh, she never did kiss him. She never did kiss anybody. All the stories wow. out there say she would kiss people and distract them while her boyfriend emptied. Uh, no, she never kissed anybody but her husband's or her boyfriend. I should wow. say boyfriend. Uh, but she did get captured for this crime and put on trial in Kansas City. And uh, the, of course, the minister oh, is testifying to this. And the newspapers in Kansas City thought that is really funny. So they mm. called her the kissing bandit. And even though she never kissed anybody, they also called her the flapper bandit because like I said, she was young, she was pretty, uh, and she was always stylishly dressed because she had the money mm -hmm. to do that. So, wow. and, wow. um, yeah, it's so, so that's how she got the me. name kissing bandit. I see, see so all cool. these little, like, it's the same thing, Billy, the kid, like we were just saying earlier, but like really bell star and her getting, you know, it's it, not it, to try and find the truth is really hard, but she did live in Oklahoma at the time, right? She was born in Marion, Kansas, but as a young child, her family moved to Cardin, Oklahoma, which is um, just a few miles north of Miami. So it's just on the Jefferson Highway. Just on mm -hmm. the Jefferson Highway. That's mm -hmm. right. And uh, she grew up there, married her first husband um, after she got pregnant, uh, had her only child, Preston, uh, married a second guy that didn't last long. And uh, then she just was having a hard time living um, there in Cardin. So she took off and uh, when she was 23 and got a job as a waitress in Sepulveda, wow. which is, of course, just outside Tulsa. And uh, while she was 
working there as a waitress. Uh, she was 23 and um, a guy came walking in one day. His name was Volney Davis mm -hmm. and uh, he was only 19, but he was real handsome and she fell in love at first sight. Uh, he was born in the Cherokee Nation part of Oklahoma before it was a state. And um, he just said, you know, you're kind of too pretty to be a, a waitress. Why don't you just come with me? And uh, she said, okay. And so she abandoned her wow. four and a half year old child, uh, sent him back to Cardin to live with her parents. And she took off with Volney. And Volney was childhood friends with the Barker family. Uh, oh, Doc Barker was, yeah, they were in the same gang together in elementary school. Uh, so he knew Freddie. Uh, he went over to the house. There was four Barker brothers, Herman, Lloyd, Arthur, also known as Doc, and Fred, the baby. And uh, he was friends with Doc. And so he was over at the uh, Barker farm a lot, uh, considered Ma just like another mother. Actually, she treated him better than her own mother, his own mother. Mm -hmm. um, and she loved him like another son. So, of course, then when the Carpus Barker gang was formed, um, Edna was traveling with Volney, and that is how she ended up coming up to Minnesota, because she came up with Volney to join the rest of the Carpus Barker gang uh, when they were wow. up here planning their bank robberies wow. and things like that. And kidnappings, and that's how she got nailed. Didn't she get nailed in Pittsburgh, which we drove through, and Pittsburgh looks like a fine, upstanding town. In Pittsburgh, Kansas, and yes. yeah, yeah, the Jefferson was... Highway Association had their annual conference there just a few months ago, but she got nailed there. I mean, that was she did. <laughs> you know, I you know, I had no idea about that until recently. So that that I'm curious about that myself. Where that where that it's happened? A, it's a real connection we have here today between Oklahoma hmm. and Minnesota. Who knew? But yeah, yeah, she and her boyfriend, Volney Davis, had split from the Carpus Barker gang. They had kind of a falling out, um, something. Ma Barker did not like any women dating any Ooh. of the people she considered her boys. Yeah, Alvin Carpus, yeah. Volney oh, yeah. Davis, the real boys. You gotta have control. Yeah, they were, uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. She could not yeah. cut those apron strings at all. No, you gotta control. <laughs> they had a big fight up in Ohio and uh, Volney Davis and Edna split off and uh, Volney did some bank robberies of his own. Uh, and then they ended up in Kansas City uh, in February, early February, 1935, along with Edna's sister, Doris, who also hung out with gangsters. She was dating Jess Doyle, another Carpus Barker gang wow. member. So the four of them came to Kansas City. Edna came there to get her hair They're done. Basically, dating the whole band is what's going on, and yeah. you know you're basically not supposed to. It. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, and, just, it doesn't uh, work. <laughs> Volney needed to get his car serviced, his stolen car, because it got a little dinged up in the bank robbery. Mm. And uh, somehow, a police officer recognized him, and uh, Edna was at home, uh, and. Uh, Volney didn't come back and so they were kind of concerned and then Jess shows up and says your sister's been arrested for murder and she's like wow why uh -huh. would my sister kill somebody and so Jess her sister's boyfriend and Edna uh, decide that Kansas City is too hot she has no idea where Volney is so she takes off to where her brother Harry Stanley had a farm in Pittsburgh hmm. and wow. they were at the farm and um Jess Doyle was like, I got to go find your sister. I got to go see what's going on. I'm going to go out and get a newspaper. And uh, he ended up going and getting a newspaper and reading about it. And then somebody recognized him. The FBI shows up 
and surrounds the cabin and they come bursting in and Edna pulls her gun out of her garter or wherever she had it and throws it on the couch and she gives up. And uh, so Mm -hmm. she and Jess then got sent back to St. Paul to be put on Mm -hmm. trial for the kidnapping of um, a very prominent citizen in St. Paul. It was the second kidnapping that the Carpus Barker gang did. Uh, she and Volney were not involved in the first one, which was William Ham Jr., president of the Hamsbury, um, big Ooh. big brewery yeah. here in St. Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't don't do that to brew- breweries. What the hell? You got to say, I'll let you go if you give me all your beer. Yeah. You <laughs> got to come up. You got to come up. We do some great. There's a little microbrewery in the old Hamsbury complex now, and um, oh, cool. the first distillery since Prohibition in Minnesota is in there, and we do these tasting wow. tours. Uh, of the old hams complex and talk about the kidnapping it's it's fun um but they then uh they kidnapped william ham in june of 1933 and then in january of 1934 they kidnapped edward bremer who was the president of a bank um, but he was also the son of adolf bremer who was president of the schmidt brewery in saint paul so pretty much both of these mm. major kidnappings were uh, people from breweries. And uh, the theory is that both of them were continuing to make beer illegally during prohibition. Now that prohibition is wow. going away, there maybe needs to be some revenge for some high prices during prohibition. So that's why these kidnappings took place. But hmm. um, Volney Davis, Edna Murray's boyfriend, uh, was very active in the kidnapping. And in fact, they, they kidnapped him, uh, Ed Bremer, right after he dropped his eight-year-old daughter, Betty, off at school. And they boxed him in with two cars so he couldn't go anywhere. Uh, Alvin Karpus mm-hmm. and uh, Doc and Volney behind him. And then Fred Barker and another guy, Harry Campbell, in front. And they open the front doors of the car and Doc Barker pushes the banker down. Volney jumps behind the wheel. uh, And Hmm. it didn't go very well because neither Volney nor Doc were very bright. But the banker was very smart. And Mm -hmm. um, those old cars, uh, you may know this, your foot has to be on the gas pedal or the clutch at all times. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. the engine dies. And the engine died when they knocked the banker over and Volney could not find the electric starter button. And Doc starts to panic and he starts hitting him on the head with the butt of his gun and the banker is struggling and Volney is panicking. I can't find the button. So they start screaming at him. Where's the button? And finally, the banker goes, you know, these idiots are going to keep beating me until they get the car started. So he reached up with his bloody hand and um, pushed the button and they drove away. Um, At the time, Volney and Edna had an apartment just one block from where the kidnapping took place. So some of the planning took place in their apartment and Edna was present. And mm. then uh, the Bremer family, this guy who was kidnapped, uh, was very prominent, as I said. In fact, Adolf Bremer, the father of the victim, was good friends with President Roosevelt, uh, oh. Franklin Roosevelt. And uh, excuse me. Yeah. And mm. uh, had donated a lot of money to the campaign. Uh, and Roosevelt even talked about this kidnapping in one of his fireside chats. And uh, the Kansas City massacre had happened. And the FBI now had the rights to carry guns and arrest people. And this kidnapping uh, was going to end up being one of the first prosecuted under the brand new Lindbergh law, which made kidnapping a federal crime. Uh, If you Mm. took him across state lines, and they did, they took him to Chicago. Uh, And Edna Murray uh, was then approached by Alvin Karpus, 
who said, you know, the heat's on. I'm afraid all these drunken, drug-addicted girlfriends of the gang uh, are going to talk. Mm. So uh, I need you because you're the only woman I can trust here. He didn't even trust his own girlfriend, Alvin Karpis. He trusted Edna. She was about the mm. only uh, um, female mm. gangster, if you really want to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. So he said, you're going to guard these women. And uh, Edna was not pleased because she really didn't like Fred's girlfriend, Paula Harmon, uh, who pretty much was just drunk or on opium at all times. This really does sound like floozies of the band. I'm oh, sorry. it really <laughs> is. It, it, it really is. So Edna ended up watching them for a while, taking them to Chicago. And then, of course, she was in on the planning. She was helping to hide it. So she was brought back to St. Paul and uh, they had a big trial. Jess Doyle, Doc Barker, Byron Bolton. Mm. I mean, all these guys. This, this is so connected to Catherine Kelly and Machine Gun Kelly. The There's story another of whole story. Nailed. That yeah. is, I mean, just even how, what's his name, got in there as the head of the FBI and the whole kidnapping thing. Jay and they Hoover. took him to Chicago. Yes. Yeah, they took him to Chicago. Yeah. Thank and you. I was going to give you the wrong guy yeah you're you're talking about the charles urschel kidnapping in oklahoma Mm -hmm. yeah exactly okay so yeah uh machine gun kelly kidnapped him and immediately went straight to st paul minnesota to launder the money which he did that is a connect here oh very much and in fact he was in a bar in st paul feeling a little too relaxed about the protection there and was blabbing about doing this kidnapping in Oklahoma, not knowing that there was a couple of FBI agents sitting there and FBI agents mm-hmm. were not in on the fix. It was simply the St. Paul police. So wow. that's kind of wow, what got him guys, in trouble was his- This is insane. This there's is a insanity. connection also to <laughs> Cynthia, isn't there, to uh, Dillinger? Yeah. John Dillinger, in fact, there's a great book. If people listening want to look it up, there's a great book by Paul Maccabee, a local guy called John Dillinger Slept Here. Uh, He stayed in an apartment on Lexington Avenue in St. Paul, just a block away from where the Bremer kidnapping happened. Uh, He also had a couple apartments in Minneapolis, even though they didn't have protection there. Um, But uh, yeah, Dillinger was in town. Babyface Nelson came to town. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like an old boys club. Yeah. And and also, (laughs) regards to Machine Gun Kelly. Now we have a uh, you know musician named that. I'm like what, but yeah, um, yeah, there is. Yeah. But but yeah. you know Machine Gun Kelly and and Catherine Kelly like she really was like the the woman like behind the See, like Ma Barker. She was that, yeah. no 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 she wasn't like Ma Barker. Um, uh, Catherine Kelly was jealous of what was going on with the Barker gang, and she wanted her guy, Machine Gun Kelly, her husband, to have that kind of notoriety. Machine Gun Kelly was actually terrified of guns. Right. And, That's what I'm saying. Catherine was the right. one. If there, there's Catherine a book, was the one that yeah. pushed him. She pushed him. Right. Ma Barker, this is another myth. Um, wow. Ma Barker did not, I mean, she was an enabler. Let's put it that way. Um, she, she, did, she thought her boys were picked on when they were growing up. She didn't see that they did anything wrong when they were, you know, robbing little drugstores and things like that. She was just, you know, my boys can do no wrong, but she didn't actively push them into the gangster lifestyle the way Catherine Kelly pushed Machine yeah. Kelly into yeah, doing Catherine it. Kelly did. That was, yeah, she, okay. So I didn't know mm. that about Ma Barker, but she really did. Mm. Um, Barbara Casey is an amazing author and she, she wrote the accounts of 
Catherine Kelly, like, because everybody looked at Machine Gun Kelly ending up in Alcatraz mm -hmm. and everything. No, but, no. And you look at it, that picture of Machine Gun Kelly in Alcatraz as he's being locked up. It's a very famous photo. He's got the biggest grin on his face. Yeah. And I always yeah. think it's because he's happy to be away from his pushy wife. I, don't I know, know, because she she was. She was like, oh, he's going about peace you. at last. Here's, here's the thing. So I, really want, I really want to talk about Ma Barker because this is okay. sort of a passion of mine. I want to get this in before we run out of time. Mm -hmm. um, Ma Barker had four sons. They all became gangsters. They all met an untimely death, every one of them. Wow. And yeah, well, they all died by a bullet. Suicide, one was murdered by his wife. Doc was murdered, uh, was killed trying to escape from Alcatraz. And of course, Fred was killed by the FBI along with Ma. Uh, Ma hmm. uh, traveled with the boys because she couldn't cut those apron strings, as I said. Hmm. Right. But there was a member of the Barker gang, uh, Harvey Bailey was his name, and he famously said, and this is a direct quote, the old woman did not have the brains to plan breakfast, much less a bank robbery. Oh. <laughs> Alvin wow. Karpus said in his autobiography that when they were planning jobs, Ma would go into the kitchen, shut the door, turn the radio up really loud. She knew they were gangsters. She just didn't want to know the details. And out of respect for Ma, they often planned their jobs in uh, cars while they were driving. Uh, they were mm -hmm. staying in a cabin on White Bear Lake, which is just north of St. Paul. And they would row out on a boat into the middle of the lake to plan uh, one of these kidnappings so that Ma wouldn't hear the details. Wow. So she never was arrested, never photographed, never fingerprinted. Um, she, huh. she never had a wanted but you'll see wanted posters for ma barker online they are all fakes uh she never had a wanted poster the closest she had to getting a wanted poster was on one of freddy's there was a little note on the bottom that said traveling with an old woman thought to be the mother that's it wow but she had she had a, she had a uh, timely death. <laughs> she, well she and freddy were uh, in Oklahoma, Florida, uh, which is near Lake Weir, and they were in a cabin on Lake Weir, and someone had recognized Fred, and the FBI was called. And again, the FBI had barely just gotten the rights to carry guns and arrest people. Most of the agents did not have criminology degrees. They were lawyers and accountants. Uh, originally, they were just <laughs> supposed to be the Bureau of Investigation. It was J. Edgar Hoover who really pushed for them to be more like a police force. But anyway, there was a gun battle that went on for several hours. And after the gun battle stopped, all these agents sat there and went, okay, nobody's shooting back. Who's going to go in? And they oh. sat there for 45 minutes arguing, mm. who's going to go in and check it out? None of them wanted to go in. They finally <laughs> convinced the groundskeeper, the gardener to go in. Oh. Uh, and the gardener comes out and he says, you know, there's a couple dead people in the upstairs bedroom. One's an old lady. She's sitting up. And there's a younger guy in her lap. Looks like she was trying to staunch his wounds when they died. Mm. And the FBI is like, okay, this is a problem. We have killed the old lady. <laughs> so what do we do? So the next day, all these newspapers are publishing photos of Ma's dead body that they claim they found in the cabin. She's lying on her back. There is a smoking Thompson submachine gun next to her. Wow. So uh, they admit they didn't go in there for 45 minutes. I've never fired a Tommy gun, but I have a feeling it does not smoke for 40 that minutes. Long. Yeah, that yeah. long. So, and then J. Edgar Hoover starts writing um, these articles 
articles for magazines and sending out press releases. Yeah, I said that Alvin Karpus was the leader of the gang, uh, the brains. I called it the Karpus Barker gang in all of my memos, but turns out it was the old woman. So you see why we had to kill her. And wow. uh, that is the legend of my hmm. marker. So, so this is the thing, you know, you were talking about before, like with the mystery of Bell Star, uh, hmm. history is not this black and white thing. You have to no. dig the evidence and you have to take all of the different witness accounts. So we have the FBI saying Ma was the brains of the gang. We have Alvin Karpis and other gang members saying, no, that's not true. And you get to decide for yourself. I personally have made the decision that I believe Alvin Karpis that Ma Barker was not the brains of the gang. She certainly was not innocent. She aided and abetted. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Right. But she that's was interesting. But this then, is you so know, Hollywood gets a hold of stories like this. Yeah. And and then that becomes the truth. It like does. they'll make a movie and it yeah. becomes the truth. For example, and the movie about but Ma Barker, she looked nothing like Angie Dickinson, not even close. I want to go to, back to Dr. Ron. <laughs> Dr. Ron, here you are with Bell Star's graveside, homestead, and you're in that territory of her, you know, where she was. So do you, I mean, we were talking about that at the beginning, like she got like almost overpopularized. Do you meet people as they come onto the property who kind of think you know like she's Ma Barker in a way like is this kind of resonate the same way as Ma Barker and and you know the kissing bandit with uh, Belle Star and her story that she wasn't as bad maybe but 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 she kind of had that still, uh, still hardcore you know kind of uh, she's kind of admired because of uh, uh you know the situation she was uh, after the civil war uh, she made something for herself and and um so there's a lot of admiration. Interestingly, a lot of people come to the gravesite to honor her. They leave things on the grave, usually wow. gun. They leave bullets and um, flowers wow. and uh, coins. And um, everyone that comes up usually says something like, uh, you know, uh, uh, she was my great, great, great grandmother. In actuality, she had very few children. We talked about her uh, daughter, mm -hmm. Pearl, her son, uh, Ed Reed, was actually killed in the line of duty and is actually one of the sheriffs the marshals that we talked about from fort smith he was killed in line of duty near katusa again where dick mm. duck uh and, and blue duck mm. uh were at. so so the story kind of uh mm. kind of generates a, an aura uh outlaw mm -hmm. and and you know so there are a lot of biker guys come up uh, you know there are a lot of people dressed up in period clothes it's oh, just wow. the strangest strangest thing that attracts people and it's not a tourist thing there's not yeah. anything there it's still up in the woods and you gotta go up this little trail but uh we had historians from mcgill university in toronto we had a historian from uh, university yeah. of uh, oregon uh all writing stories and doing investigation on uh you know that period of history it's very fascinating for a lot of people yeah wow. i think especially right after the civil war like my first thing was when we were going to talk about bell star and then you know edna was Ooh, did they ever meet? But no, you know, Belsar was before her. And you got to think about these women back then. And quite frankly, when you think about the Jefferson Highway, this is pre the highway, right? And then there was the highway. But you've got to think the territory is not easy to traverse and ride horses through for a woman, you know, especially in the clothing we were supposed to wear back then. Mm -hmm. um, it just wasn't that easy. And, you know, the West is not easy. And 
when you start getting into, I mean, it's hot or you could end up, you know, swampy in Minnesota maybe. And then all of a sudden you're in like hardcore snow. It's, it's just a rough road for outlaws, you know, but I think they, they knew their routes, right? It's almost well, like they, they were, they, they had knew. to be near, near transportation. And so if you look at this, all the going up the Jefferson highway uh, up to Minnesota and back. Uh, and so, and the, there's another road that crossed, uh, which it really typically is about like where I-40 sits now. And, and that was a road uh, that was uh, formed to, to be really the entry to the West at, after the gold rush in 1849. And so uh, a man named Edward Beale uh, actually surveyed that and actually formed a road that was so uh, compacted, it was going to be the, the railroad, uh, but the Civil War put an end to it. So you've got an east-west traverse all the way to Santa Fe, mm -hmm. and you've got the north-south Texas road, and then you've got the uh, uh, highway coming in, all meeting at Eufaula, Oklahoma. So it's not just a pure dumb luck that, mm -hmm. that these people uh, are... Mm -hmm are along the major routes of, uh, of transportation at the time, even though they were rough, it's still, you know, they, they tended to, to congregate along these paths of uh, transportation. I mean, they're, you know, the, even in England, the old highwaymen, you know, the highway was where right. people, uh, um, mm. you know, there were a lot of bad activities going along, along right. the highway. Well, you know? it was bad. Yeah. If you were the highwaymen at night, you were not out there being innocent, you know, right. but it's, it, and you got to think the Santa Fe trail and stuff like that. I mean, those were the old Royal roads of, you know, uh, native Americans, Indians, Spanish came through later. Um, you know, so a lot of these tracks were done in ancient times and then they just develop. And like the Santa Fe trail is really interesting because that was one of these trails that is, a two-way system they didn't just have one road it was like uh -uh. you're going this way you're going that way because commerce started to happen and it became like you could be a peddler on the road now you're okay if you're a peddler on the highway but you were kind of looked at like "Ooh, you're the highway the highway man you got willie nelson Johnny yeah Dan. exactly come yeah. on let's let's have some but good music now you brought up those ancient paths of uh mm -hmm. um, were really utilized and, and there was part of the Jefferson Highway actually follows some of the path of the Osage Trace, which was historically oh. a, a trail and you've heard of the Natchez wow. Trace, maybe yeah, yeah. that runs. Yeah, yeah. So great place to ride through. But the same thing happened here. This was a point of um, uh, over to the Pecos River Valley mm. and, and uh, northwest, northeast New Mexico. There were major trade routes across mm -hmm. this area well before the white men ever arrived. Right. And, and mm -hmm. then then they they just tended to uh, use those as a you know a marker or a map to to put in, and, and you can look at the Texas Road later becomes what we knew as the Katy Railroad, uh, mm -hmm. major north south through Oklahoma. Well, like next you're talking about is, this, I just okay. want to mention real quickly because yeah. it's kind of piggybacks on what you were saying, Professor Run, is if you plot the bank robberies of the Kerpersberger gang. Uh, you'll go down the Jefferson Highway and you'll see a lot of them are, are like 100 miles east or 100 miles west. So it's all clustered along. A, a corridor that they use for transportation. They right, want to get a quarter. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. huh. wow. I wonder if their roots also went with the moonshiners. You know, I know that kind of went out of North Carolina, but they these these guys all kind of ran. Well, Minnesota provided a lot of, of, of alcohol for the rest of the country during Prohibition. And in fact, Andrew Volstead, the Volstead Act, was a congressman from Granite mm, Falls, Minnesota. Right. And we supplied a lot of alcohol uh, up and down, not just down the highway, but also up to Canada 
which was, of course, our neighbor up there uh, where the Jefferson Highway starts uh, because they didn't have prohibition there. But we had a lot of the raw materials for making alcohol. We have a lot of water. We have a lot of grain. We have a lot of Germans. So <laughs> we were making a lot of alcohol. All the necessary yeah. agree- ingredients. Oh, yeah. And women, women mm. were doing it too. Moonshiners were women. A lot um, of them were, yes. Yeah, a lot of women in there. So like they were hardcore, like let's get this business going. I do want to touch on the old trails though, because Natchitoches, Louisiana to, uh, is part of the El Camino Real de los Tejas National Historic Trail. And this is an interesting trail that goes through Texas. Part of it is touching into the Jefferson Highway. I bet a teeny weeny little bit i think yeah glade water is part of oh i'm gonna be wrong but anyway it natchitoches is part of one of these trails i mean it's this ancient trail and you can like you were talking about natchez trace dr ron you can go you are walking with these it's almost like natchez trace has it where the buffalo ran through and it's like you're in a tunnel almost and there are places off between nacogdoches texas which was the first settlement in texas to Natchitoches, Louisiana, which is the first settlement. You, there's a Los Lobos Neo. Ah, there's a swale. I'm never going to get the name right, but there are these swales out there, and it is almost mm-hmm. the same thing where you're almost in this corridor with mounds on either side of you from these ancient roads of people walking through, and it's it's a trip, man. And you know, like that's the ancient times, you know, but you know, like outlaws knew those paths oh sure if they needed to run from yeah somewhere. absolutely like, you know what the, i mean the bill road actually transversed from uh fort smith west but it traveled along an indian trail and it was slated to be the gateway to the west uh and hmm. the gold rush and and the beale house is right across from uh the white house so i mean beale became a very prominent man in the time being able fred to beale. As, who's fred beale because he was somebody big in Ed, san diego edward Edward F. Beale was uh, the uh, the guy. He was a surveyor, but he was very involved in the gold trade uh, in establishing our land route. Because at the time, to get to California, you had to go around the you know tip of South America. Uh, there wasn't a Panama Canal, so an overland route was a really important thing, mm. and it really came through here. And so the overland route from Saint from uh, Fort Smith to um, Santa Fe actually passed just within eyesight of Bell's home uh, side and her, her grave. And and just like the Santa Fe Trail, those sandstone hills, the the um, ruts are still there from the wagons and the, the amount wow. of traffic. So this wow. was a, a major trade route. Uh, and so I think the, the books portray her as being way back in the woods. And we think of it that way, uh, Roger and I, because she's way up in the uh, away from anything at this stage. But back then, mm. the major highways passed just right beside her. And it was it was a lot of things along that highway that happened. Uh, several marshals hmm. were killed and uh, um, wow. lots it's, of things. It's kind of crazy. I feel like the long, you know, the long black veil should be her song or something, you know, it's yeah. just like, you yeah. know, just I, I she's think... walking up that hill, you know, but I, I want to also go back to you, Dr. Ron, on, on the music. So, so here's Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie in uh-huh. Oklahoma. And then one of my most favorite musicians of all time, J.J. Kale, is in Oklahoma City. I did not know. I just suddenly went. J.J. Kale, talking yeah. about it, I was like, I bet you J.J. Kale's from Oklahoma. And holy cow, he oh, is. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, oh, along. If you look at Oklahoma musicians, you're going to see a, a, a long track record, uh, especially in country type music. You're going to see a tremendous number. On? Reba McIntyre, Vince Gill. I mean, the uh, you know, 
Garth. Wow. I, it just goes on and on and on. And, and it goes way back. Uh, We've already talked about the jazz history. Lisa. Yeah, I jazz know, history. But, like, it's, <laughs> but this is insane. Like, you know, and, and we were just talking to um, Steve Blaze. He's the lead guitarist of Lillian X, which is a hard rock band who's been in the Louisiana Hall of Fame for music twice as definitely one of the first hard rock bands because they didn't recognize hard rock that much in Louisiana at the time. And um, he was talking about all these bands at the, anyway, and he's a ghost hunter. Anyway, he's a, he's all in for the Jefferson Highway. I'm just saying because there's so much history that is not, you know, there's history and then there's current history of what is going on today. And I think for travelers, we were talking about these women outlaws. Well, of course, we went into Ma Barker there. Uh, thank you for that, because I think this well, is Well, she's cool. buried I, on the Jefferson Highway. I, yeah. She is. Ma Barker, yeah. Oh my God! So Edna is not Edna's in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, I'll go. I'll next time we go to San Francisco because we will. We'll go. We'll go visit her. But Cynthia, <laughs> I mean, your your information is amazing, and everyone needs to go on your tour. I want to go on your tour so bad. I, I hope you do. Oh, that gonna, would be great. We will come to St. Paul. Trust me, we're going to be up and down the highway. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this is it. It's happening. We're we're just we're in it. And again, it's Roger and Arlene's fault. And thank you very much. But now yes. we're kind of addicted to this. Nancy has made a whole database of historic people on the trail. Oh, like, I'm I don't so think not... we're going to be able to even drive a mile without yeah. Nancy telling me to pull over. Yeah, this because I'm so not, and I'm so not done because there's so much. I know. I, I it goes now... up to what it is now, and I think that's the this thing, is... Roger. Travelers it's the heart of our with, country. It is the it's, heartland. Yeah. And that's why that's why when you're driving around, you come take my walking tour. It's a great time to stretch your legs. Yeah. Because driving up and down the highway. I like is, it. I like the walking is, tours. It's it's almost like those tours. You I could sit here for the next 20 years and not be done. So <laughs> then we need to drive it. But but this is the thing, you know, we talk about music. We talk it no matter what, it's all these things just connect to it it's a corridor mm -hmm. and whether it's music from the past and right happening right now that's the point as a traveler you could be driving through go visit bell star you could go on a walking tour with cynthia mm -hmm. right come out of winnipeg go see cynthia go for a walking tour go hang out in a brewery head south go see bell star and then next thing you know you're at the bob dylan museum and next thing you know, you're in New Orleans soaking up some amazing, you know, culture. But then, hey, you could be seeing a rock band that is like now, you know. So it's kind of this we have to, as we visit all these sites, take in history. It's like then and now and the present moment when we're there. So I, it's so exciting. I, I'm like beside myself. So anyway, everyone go to JeffersonHighway.org. Uh, they have an amazing Facebook group. Uh, if you go to Facebook, there's a discussion group there. So everyone's posting different uh, sites and historic sites, you know, all these things you can learn about and, and you can geek out on it like I do. Um, but go to jeffersonhighway.org also to get the map, become a member, be involved. If you are a tourism entity, definitely. If you're a museum, uh, be involved. Uh, Roger, one thing, I know we have to go, but... Um, signs that's something people can get involved with right if we're on a trail somewhere and a town can say hey we want to have a jefferson highway sign yes. so people know right that's something yes that we have uh, we have a new program we actually have it on the first page of the uh 
you know, you can click on it for our signage program. But one of the new things we have is an official sign. We have official signage in Iowa. The whole route is marked in Iowa. Uh, it soon will be marked in Oklahoma. That's uh, going to happen probably next year. But for those communities that don't have state uh, signage, we're already starting to see some. We had one in Missouri recently that bought uh, signs from us. They're not. Uh, it's not a uh, very expensive thing. The signs are basically costing about uh, seventy-five dollars a piece or so, and uh, and we are uh, we can get you fixed up on that. And uh, uh, talking to a lot of communities about uh, getting excited about this as we move forward here to. Uh, uh, make this uh, Americana tourist heritage route uh, that people can travel. Awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. Dr. Ron Hood, thank you so much for joining us and sharing information oh, about Bellstar. And uh, give everyone your Facebook group, uh, your Facebook page again, so people can follow. I, I just followed too. Um, yeah, Younger's been on Facebook. It, it's actually information. It goes back to 2010 and uh, everything from court records to all sorts of. Uh, um, you know, hypothesis about our murder. Uh, there's a lot of things posted there. So it's just the history as we put the cabin together. And so as we it ran in some very interesting people uh, and some very mm. interesting things that, uh, that happened, even after Edgar Watson left Oklahoma, uh, Peter Matheson wrote a, a book called Shadow Country. It's just some fascinating reading. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's uh, the, the Facebook page serves as kind of a, a guide to, to some of the data and some of the books. So well, uh, thank you for doing that. I, I mean, oh, yeah, I think it's outstanding cool. that you've done this. And, you know, like you said, open your property to people being able to visit her, her resting place um, and leave, you know, bullet shells. But, you know, that is awesome. Uh, again, everyone, Cynthia's uh, website is sincitytours.com. C-Y-N for Cynthia, SinCityTours.com. Yes. Uh, if you're like us, we already, we want to go and hang out with Cynthia. And I hope you do. Mm -hmm. oh, it's happening. It's, it's sure. not a hope. It's it's going to happen, you know, and then you're going to go, oh, my God, they're, they're not stopping. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, fine with me. <laughs> no, we're excited. And and Dr. Ron, hopefully we'll get to the gravesite too. And and, and sure. Roger, you've got to be there because I know you're into law and order, so you got to make sure we behave. I will so, be there. Okay, I'll watch good. out. Good. Thank you all for joining us. Everyone keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Every fourth Thursday is all about uh, the Jefferson Highway. And we want to thank Natchitoches, uh, the Convention and Visitor Bureau, for sponsoring today's show. Go to Natchitoches.com, and that is N-A-T-C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S.com. Uh, they are the oldest settlement in Louisiana and one of our very favorite places to visit. And mm -hmm. they have meat pies. They have Cane River Lake. They have good music. They have uh, shopping. It's they have really festivals. Nice. They rock. So go check it out. And we're going to close with a song called Little Liar, since we're talking about outlaws. And mm -hmm. it's from the album Glorious, Glorious by our friends, The Joiners. So here it is, Little Liar. Thank you all for joining us. Baby, now somebody else is breaking my bed There's no more bullets beneath my sheets Guns behind my head Baby, now I'm finding out that I like life on the run From 666 to crucifix My nightmares and your gun I won't run 
this time with those matches on You're already on fire, yep Not you, little liar, see I've run your horse before Just to find the finish line and even up the score See these scars on my back I got playing with fire But the biggest one's deep in my chest And it comes from a little liar I'm on the run From a little liar Don't waste time with those matches, son You're already on fire I'm on the run From a little liar You've had your turn I see your burn You got the mark of a little liar Yep At messing with my mind But I start to think everything's pink When I'm looking at her from behind So thank you, little liar For getting out of my bed Don't forget your locket now You're forgetting your head I'm on the run Little liar Don't waste time with a matches, son You're already on fire I'm on the run Six, 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 the crucifix, my nightmares and 